Okay, let's turn to the scriptures. Romans chapter 8, please. Romans chapter 8. It's global disasters. What on earth is going on? Global disasters. What on earth is going on? Romans chapter 8. You may say, well, that's a strange place to start. Well, we'll, you'll understand as we go on. We'll, we'll break it down to you. Let your eye run down to verse 18. The apostle says, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who hath subjected the same in hope. Because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption, to wit, the redemption of our body. Let's pray. Father, we ask you that you would take your word and that you would wing it to hearts. Let your church realize they are. Let us fall in love with Jesus. Let us be ready, watching, waiting, prayerful, waiting in his return. Help us to understand, Father, the times that we are living in. And help us, Lord, to reach the world. Help us to reach men and women in our nation, in our workplace, in our families. For, Lord, you will return. And, Lord, you will set up your kingdom. And, Lord, when you do, Lord, you will rule and reign for a thousand years. And you will judge the ungodly. So, Father, we pray in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus. Lord, that you would shut each and every one of us in with thine own good self. And if there be one or others who are here that does not yet know the Lord Jesus as their Savior, may tonight be the night when they come to a saving knowledge of him. Give them understanding. Open their ears. And Lord, even as you opened Lydia's heart, would you open their hearts. For Jesus' name's sake we pray. Amen. There's no question, I'm sure, that many frequently today are saying, what on earth is going on? When they look around the world or the globe or planet and see the disasters, see all the things that are happening, as tsunamis and the floods and the, the heavy snowfalls and the earthquakes and the volcanoes and the diseases and the pestilences, even that Jesus had talked and spoken about. Many are wondering, why is there so much of it happening? And we hear talk of, of global warming, and we hear of all these things that scientists are trying to find the reason for. Tonight we're going to look at the real reason for what is happening in our planet and among our people in the nation. For example, whenever we see these things, the Lord Jesus said in Matthew chapter 24, in verses 7 and 8, he also makes mention of it in Mark 13, and he also mentions it in Luke 21. 
But he says, for nations shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. Now, we've seen that. We've looked at that even last week. And when we look around the world, there's more wars, tribal wars, national wars, all sorts of wars than we could ever even pick up now. There's so much of it going on. We could we even get lost in what faction is against what faction. We even get lost in who is fighting against who. So much of it is happening in our world today. But notice what he says then as we read on Matthew 24, verse 7. And there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in divers places or in various places all over the place. There's going to be famines. He says there'll be pestilences or diseases and there will be earthquakes. The word there for earthquakes, by the way, just for a point of interest, is the word seismus. And it's where we get there was a seismic earthquake. That's where we get our word from. It's seismus. The Lord says there will be a shifting of the land. A seismic shifting in the land. In verse 8 he says, All these are the beginning of sorrows. In Luke chapter 21, in verse 11 he says, That there will be great earthquakes shall be in divers places, famines and pestilences. And he adds something different here. Notice and pestilences, and fearful sights. And fearful sights. Now, when we think of this, there will be fearful sights. We think, well, there are all these things that are happening, and we're able to see them even on social media or on our news bulletins, and these fearful sights are everywhere, and they are. But those fearful sights are multiplied when we're standing in the middle of it all. You and I can say, you know, we'll turn our television off if we don't want to look at it. We can close that newspaper. If you read the newspapers, I told you I don't read them, but if you read the newspapers, you can close the newspaper and set it down. But here we're finding that people are going to find themselves involved in all of these things. There's going to be so much of it happening that we will not be able to escape it. The word here for fearful, as in fearful sights, is the word phobotron. Phobotron. And the word phobotron gives the idea there will be terror. Terror all over in different places around the world. Now we think of terror, we think of Islamic extremism terrorizing people. We think of the terrorist campaign in our own beloved province for all of those years, terrorizing people. And that is right, it's a fearful thing. And even those who lived outside Ulster or us who live outside maybe Syria, they can look, we could look, and we can turn it off. But when you're in the middle of it, when you're there living it, the Lord says it will increase to such an extent that you will not be able to miss it. The word phobotron, by the way, for fearful, is also used in Luke chapter 23. Luke chapter 23 and verse 40. Let me just turn to it. The Lord Jesus is hanging on the cross. Andy, could you just turn me down slightly, please? It's a wee bit echoey up here, thank you. The Lord Jesus is hanging on the cross. And as he hangs on the cross, we know the story. There are two thieves hanging beside him. Luke chapter 23 and verse 40, it says that one Thief is speaking to the other, crucified on either side. And, but the other answering rebuked him, saying, Dost thou not fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? 
One thief says, Lord, rememberest thou me when thou comest into thy kingdom? And Jesus says, Verily I say unto thee today, thou shalt be with me in paradise. And the other thief, he keeps reeling in the face of Jesus and calling him for all sorts of names and blaspheming him. And the one who has realized that he is the Christ, the only Savior, says, Do you not fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? In other words, he's hanging to die. I'm hanging here to die. And you're going to hang here till you die. He says, do you not, and the word is phobotron, do you not fear God? Listen to what he says. Are you not terrified that you're going to meet God? Are you not terrified? Now we think of phobotron, there's another word that we use is phobia. Arachnophobia, if you're afraid of spiders. There's a wee, the thought was a spider, and there was a beetle climbing up the wall this morning, and all the ladies exited the stage. And Rebecca brings over tissues, no to lift it because that's some, you know, there, there's a phobia. I'm so afraid of this, and I already had it in my hand and thrown out the door. Phobia is that you are afraid of something. Arachnophobia, you're afraid of spider. Listen, the word homophobia is not a proper nor true rendering of a word. Homo means man. Phobia is fear. So be afraid of man means you're terrified of them. It's not a true rendering of the word either. We're not afraid of men. We're not afraid of anyone. So the actual idea here is phobos is you can imagine when someone is afraid to go outside. Someone is afraid to leave their home. And so they hide in their home and they take on the, uh, the, the phobia that something may happen, something bad will come onto them, and they never want to cross the door. So they cower up, they fear, they close curtains, they bar doors, they're afraid to set foot over the threshold. See, that's a phobia. And it's where we get our word from. It's phobos, or here phobotron is another rendering of the word. And that thief said to the other thief, do you not fear God? Have you not got a phobia, a terrifying thing about you, that you will die like I will die, and you will spend eternity without Him? That you'll stand before Him? Do you not fear God? Friend, I have something to say that many people won't say anymore, but I'm going to say it anyhow. Many preachers are afraid to say it, but I'm going to say it anyhow. If you're not saved and you die, and you're not saved, you're not right with God, you should have the biggest phobia that you have that you will meet him as your judge. Make sure you get hold of the phobia that it does not let you go until you bow the knee and you get right with God tonight. For this could be your last night. I tragically heard of a friend of ours who were at their wedding just a few years ago was found lying dead on his kitchen floor last night. He was lying on his kitchen floor, a young man. Got news last night and people have been talking to me this afternoon about it. He didn't know his day or hour. 
Jesus says there will be phobias or fearful sights. These things will grip you. Now, if you think that the world is bad now, I know there's a theology going around that the world's going to get lovely and better for Jesus coming back. No, it's not. It's going to get worse. This tribulation period is going to get worse and worse. And but for Christ coming, there shall be no flesh saved but for the elect's sake. No flesh saved, Jesus said. And he is the only one who can save us. Our planet is going to become a smoking cinder. There's enough nuclear weapons here to destroy the earth maybe seven times over or more. And Christ is coming. If you're not saved, you should have a phobia, an urgency in your heart, a fear that you will meet God. Should something happen, the next time you're aware, you're going to be standing before him. See, here we have, someone might say, there's always been earthquakes and volcanoes, and that's true. But they have escalated. They have increased in number. They have got more and more. Now, listen to this. In Matthew 24 and verse 8, Jesus says, all these are the beginning of sorrows. The word for sorrows is a word, odin, that means they are the beginning of the pains, the pangs. And it gives the idea of a woman getting ready to go into childbirth, of a woman getting ready to give birth to her baby. Now, you mothers know what that's like. You know what I, I, I remember watching Allison and these contractions come on it. It's the idea of it. And you know what's coming. And they're getting closer and more intense and I only know because you told me. <laughs> I, I, yeah. That's the idea of it. Jesus says these things will become more and more increasing and intense. They're going to keep on happening, he says. And you're not going to be able to escape them because it's going to get so bad. It's going to be everywhere. Everywhere. And so... We see that when Jesus said this, he says that it's like a woman who's having contractions. Listen to what Paul says in 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 2 and 3. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. For when they shall say, Peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them, as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. All we hear today is peace treaties in the Middle East, peace treaties in Jerusalem or the, uh, between Palestinians and the Jews, peace treaty here, peace treaty there, peace treaty in Stormont, peace treaty, and they all fall through. Do you know why? Because the only true and lasting peace can come when Christ comes. It's only in Christ. And they're saying, peace, peace, and we're going to fix everything, and we're going to fix the so-called ozone layer, and we're going to fix all these wonderful things, and we're going to do great things by our science. Jesus says, and try and fix it all you want. It's like untempered mortar on a wall. And it will just come apart again. 
It will just come apart. Here we find that the earth is in travail, the throes of childbirth like a woman in birth contractions, and they're getting stronger, more frequent, lasting longer, shorter timing between them. And no sooner have we heard of an earthquake or a, or a disaster in the world that we heard of another and then another and then another, the intensity of storms. Listen, Fox News was interviewing a man called Stephen Guyo, and this is some years ago. So it's got even worse since then. He was a geophysicist in Missouri University, head of science and technology. And they asked him on recent earthquake activity then, like 20 years ago. This is what he said relative to the 20-year period from the mid-70s to the mid-90s. The earth has been more active over the past 15 or so years than ever before. They are certainly increasing. In other words, the earth is crying out. The earth is saying that the Lord is coming soon. The earth is telling us that Christ will come and set up his kingdom. The Economist website, in an article the 29th of just last month, 29th of August, listen to what it says. America sits alongside China and India in suffering the greatest number of natural disasters globally between 1995 and 2015. These include earthquakes, storms, floods, and heat waves. It goes on to say, since 1970, the number of disasters worldwide has more than quadrupled around the year. So you can see these child, pangs of childbirth are growing. Now, I have done, I, I spent quite a bit of time researching things and saying, what could it pull up and, and what, what, what information can I give you? And there's so much of it. Here's what I have got just from 2017. So please bear with me because it's a point I want to make to you. Just this year, and this is September, we're not finished this year yet. Just this year alone. In January this year, there were floods in southern Africa. Now, we have to remember, these aren't just floods that we see and they come up two feet and run in people's front door. These are things that wash away houses. These are places that take away villages. Flood cities. These are things where people are dying. That diseases are taking people in their thousands. These are fires that are raging and burning for miles. Homes are being destroyed. The collateral damage is phenomenal. And it's getting worse. Listen, floods in southern Africa. In Belarus, Cyclone XL brought heavy snows with frost and strong winds with temperatures falling to minus 34 degrees and heading down into Macedonia. These are all record numbers. Listen, in southern Africa again, Angola, Botswana, Malawi, Mozambique, South Africa, Namibia, Swaziland, the United Republic of Tanzania, Zambia and Zimbabwe had an outbreak, of, an infestation of army worm. And it destroyed their maize and their cereal crops. 94% of that whole region of Africa was destroyed. The army worm. This was new. 
and the first time it had ever happened to the southern African region. There was a breakout of yellow fever across the Americas, Brazil, Bolivia, Colombia, and Peru. Yellow fever was also transmitted by the exact same mosquito, the exact same mosquito that transmit the Zika virus. We've all heard of it. This was the exact same, and it brought yellow fever too. Not hearing much of this on the news, are we? There were floods in Pakistan, and a record snowfall there, and they declared a national government emergency. Algeria and Morocco, northern Africa, an extreme wave of cold brought them down to minus 13 in Africa. The Philippines, there were floods, landslides. Listen, 63 people in one of the areas alone were displaced. Still in January this year, Afghanistan, we had avalanches and floods, heavy snowfalls and freezing weather conditions. Now in the February, there was, in Peru, there were floods and landslides. In Guinea, there was an outbreak of measles. In the Philippines, they had an earthquake of 6.7 magnitude on the Richter scale. In the March, we had, in West Africa, the, De the Democratic Republic of Congo, we had another army worm breakout. 80% of their maize and their crops were destroyed. 80%. Madagascar, there was tropical cyclone. And it caused death and injury right across Madagascar. Central African Republic from January 17, listen, to March 17, the whole region from those three months suffered violent winds, heavy rain, and colossal damage. In March again, in Peru, there was an outbreak of dengue. This is another disease that affects the mind, it affects the, the bones, it affects the body, it affects the joints. It's a very dangerous disease. In Nigeria, listen, Nigeria, meningitis breakout. 14,581 cases and 1,166 deaths in Nigeria alone. The same in Niger, 3,303 suspected cases with 197 deaths. Colombia, there were mudslides because of the increased rainfall that they had. In April, Rwanda, there were severe storms. In Niger, again, an outbreak of hepatitis E. Tajikistan, an outbreak of measles. In Haiti, there were floods. In May, in Kyrgyzstan, there was a 5.9 magnitude earthquake. Tropical cyclone Donna hit the Solomon Islands, causing much damage. In India, there were floods and landslides. There were floods in Russia. And in the Congo, again, an Ebola breakout. We heard of that. In Ethiopia, there was measles. Burkina Faso, there were floods. Sri Lanka and Thailand, floods and landslides. In August and Chad, there was a cholera outbreak. In the Congo, there were landslides. Central African Republic, there were floods. In September, Pakistan, the dengue outbreak that we heard of earlier had broken out in Pakistan. All over the world, all these things are happening. I went down them systematically to try and find all these things that were going on. And we find all these things that were happening all around the world, just as Jesus said, and they're taking thousands of lives. They're bringing in famines, and little children are starving to death. Something that irks me is that 
when you see this, not one of these diseases was in our island home. God has kept the covering over us. And when we see the influx of them coming, illegal immigration coming, we don't know who's coming with what. Watch these diseases come into our land. Listen, folks, I'm hoping and praying Theresa May doesn't do you a backward turn on this European Union Brexit day. Britain owes Europe nothing. It's time Belgium and France need to remember the British soldiers who lined the shores of France and Belgium and went across the fields and were murdered in their thousands and their thousands. They owe them nothing. They fought for freedom and liberty not to be brought in to another beast and monster. Not into another Reich under another name. And you'll find because the European Union is the back door to all of these diseases. We need, we need to break free from the European Union. I'm just sidetracking here a minute, but you know what to say. They're trying to make us feel that we are not able, that we are too small. Listen, we have the biggest commonwealth of nations to deal with, to buy and sell with. We have our brothers and sisters over there who left these shores and founded the great American nation and the, and the Canadian one. We have all of these to trade with, with billions and billions of pounds sterling. And they're saying you're too small. Listen, we need to come out and turn to God and he'll make us great again. He will make us great again. You need to pray, brothers and sisters, we need to pray that there's no backtracking. Our Milan knows what it's like about backtracking. We know what it's like to be knifed in the back. We want to know what it's like when people are, we're, we're, this is the way we're going and this is what's going to happen then suddenly with a knife on our back and we're, we're crippled. We need to say, Theresa May, we want Europe away from our shores. It's not because of European people, by the way. It's to do with the government. They're now at the minute trying to bring out a European head. They're speaking about it. They're talking about it. A European army. Did you ever wonder why Britain and France says we're going into a coalition with each other in the military field? Who remembers that a few years ago? Remember Britain gave away a lot of their, their, their sovereign power and forces to France and they were said it was meant to be vice versa. Do you know why they said that? It was nothing to do with Britain and France. It was to do with the European Union. There's another step towards unity for them to take away the sovereign right of our British home. That's what it was about. And then they say we owe them money. So I ain't getting off sidetracked, but wait one second. They, they say we owe them money. Britain has been paying 300 
on 50 million a week. A week. And they are back with holes. Theresa May, just go in and shut the door, pull down the shutters and come out. Pull down the shutters and come out. Let's turn back to God and he will make us Great Britain again. The recent hurricane Harvey hit Texas flooding and doing much damage in the United States across the Caribbean islands. And again, the Caribbean United States with Irma and Florida. Stephen, you know all about that. You were there. And then the Caribbean islands, there's another one coming now up towards the United States called Maria. And another one called Jose. Now listen, brothers and sisters, apparently yesterday, according to a lot of prophecy experts, you're meant to be raptured. <laughs> just letting you know. So maybe you're not saved and they're all gone. We just don't know it. talking about, remember, and I said to you way long ago, Revelation chapter 12, they're all saying, the stars are going to line up, and that's fine, that's great, there's nothing wrong with that. And they're all going to line up, and Revelation 12, the woman with the sun on her head, and the moon at her feet, and the crown of 12 stars, and the baby, and all this sort of stuff, and, and this is going to be the, the, the time for the church to be raptured, the baby coming as Christ. Christ isn't coming as a baby, he's coming as the lion! already fulfilled in Revelation chapter 12 when Israel was scattered into the wilderness giving birth to the Messiah. Joseph says, I had a dream and the sun and the moon and the eleven other stars bowed down to my star. You see, Joseph and, and his father and his brothers, uh, uh, Jacob, they all knew about this. They knew the interpretation of this. You know why? Because his grandfather, that is Jacob's grandfather Abraham was a stargazer. And God called him out of the Earl of Chaldees and says, no longer looking at the stars. I'm going to tell you about the star of Jacob. I'm going to tell you about the one who's to come. It's all happened. Where was I? <laughs> so here we have the United States, Maria. Oh, yes, Maria and Jose. It's coming. And now they're trying to make a big ado saying, Jose means Joseph. So Mary, Maria, and Jose is Joseph, and Mary and Joseph are visiting the States. Who's heard that one? Well, there you are. I watched that one yesterday. I watched that when I was meant to be raptured. <laughs> None of them happened. People are well-meaning, you know. They're, they, they are sincere. But we need to remember, people are just listening and taking it all in. The Lord has already revealed his great plan of the ages to us. Just need to learn it from the scriptures. Mexico, 7th of September, there was an 8.1 uh, magnitude earthquake off the southeast coast in the sea. And then on the 19th of September, they had their second one right almost near the very center of their land, a 7.1 magnitude earthquake. The South Sudan had floods. 119,000 people were affected. And then there was another two earthquakes just two days ago near Vanuatu. 6.4. And then there's a 6.1 just off the coast of Japan. Jesus said this was going to happen. Jesus says this would happen. Truly, 
These are the sorrows or the birth pangs. The contractions are getting nearer and closer. Look at Romans chapter 8, please, verse 19. Romans chapter 8, please, verse 19. He says, for the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestations of the Son of God. See the earnest expectation of the creature. The big long word, I'm not going to try and pronounce at the moment. It gives the idea of watching with a head erect and outstretched, waiting in suspense. All of these are like the earth. All of these are like the earth knows more or seems to know more than even humanity does. It's like it's looking up. And it's crying out and looking for its creator to come. That's the idea of it. It's called the earnest expectation of the creature. It's like a watchman at his post, looking to see what lies out ahead if someone is coming. These verses cause us to cast our minds back to Genesis chapter 3 and verse 17. And unto Adam the Lord said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree of which I command thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it, notice, cursed is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Here the Lord says, The ground is cursed because of you, Adam. The ground is cursed because of you. Listen, Romans 6 and 23 tells us that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So Christ comes down, or God comes down, and he curses the ground. And he says, thorns and thistles shall it bring forth unto you. This was a sign of the curse, thorns and thistles. Next time you're doing your rose bed or you get pricked with a thorn or a thistle or, or something sharp like that, you can realize that this earth is still cursed and crying out waiting for the Creator. It's a memory that, that you must need to know that you must be right with Him before He comes. God has placed the sun and the moon as witnesses and on the earth the very curse of your rosebed. Do you know whenever they crucified our Lord, they took what? A crown of thorns. They drove it into his lovely head. And there when they drove it into his head, what was happening? He was carrying the very curse that was on the earth. That when he returns again, the curse will be lifted. That he has redeemed the very earth. See, Israel were a treasure in the field, and the parable is the man finds the treasure, lost Israel in the field, it says, and he goes and sells all and gives for all that he has to go and buy the field. Why? He buys the field that he might get the treasure first. The field, Jesus says, is the world. The field is the world. Now notice, in Genesis 3 and 19, he says, In the sweat of thy face, Shalt thou eat thy bread till thou return to the ground? For out of it thou wast taken, for dust thou art, and unto dust shalt thou return. God says you're going to return to that dust. You're going to die. Now, brothers and sisters, if anyone says to you, you'll not surely die. That's the words of the devil. 
You'll die when God has you ready to die. Don't get me wrong. But you're going to die. But are you ready? Do you fear God? Have you a phobia that you'll meet him and you're not right with him? Or you should have before you stand before him if you don't know Christ. In Romans chapter 8 and verse 20, he says, For the creature was made, notice, subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who hath subjected the same. What Paul is saying in a nutshell is, the earth, the creation, man, Adam, man, and woman. And Adam's race after that, it says, you have been made subject to vanity. In other words, you are put under subjection. Subjection from the fall of Adam bringing forth death. There's nothing you can do. There's nothing you can do to avoid that appointment. It is appointed. And the man wants to die. But after that, judgment. And there's nothing you can do to avoid others. Our loved ones. Out of your hands. It's out of your hands. Here we're all subject. The word subject is hupotasso. It means to arrange under, to be put into subjection. Creation was originally perfect to go glorify God. And God saw all that he had made. It was very good, says the book of Genesis chapter 1. It was very good. And when the curse was put upon it, that purpose was interfered with. And so a perishing and that decaying creation cannot perfectly glorify him. When I see creation, I see the world, and I see up around the Antrim coast especially. I like going there. And I see the Antrim coast, and I stand there, and I look over the sea, and it's a beautiful day. I just think it's such a beautiful place. I love it. I could just drive up and down that road alone all day and park there and have a wee cup of tea and something like that. You know. But I love it. And yet, it's still under a curse. But when he comes again, when he comes, he will lift the curse. The earth cannot perfectly glorify God, and neither can even those who have been redeemed. You know why? See in your body, see in your home, see in your mind. You know what thing that upset you? Do you know that pain that's niggling at you and taking your mind off the word or off the worship? Do you know when you stand to worship sometimes and you, oh, I've got a light head, I have to sit down. And listen, that's all part of the human race. See, those things, they will all vanish when Christ returns. We will worship him in a glorified body when Christ returns. Now, we must remember this. God is sovereign. God is sovereign. Would you say that with me? God is sovereign. Will you please say it one more time? God is sovereign. Now, when we say God is sovereign, we affirm his right to govern the universe which he has made. For his own glory, just as he pleases. 
When we say God is sovereign, we affirm that he is under no rule or law outside of his own will and nature. That God is a law unto himself and that he is under no obligation to give an account of his matters to any. God does not owe us anything. When we say God is sovereign, he is also sovereign in his mercy. He's sovereign in his love and he's sovereign in his judgments. He's sovereign in his election. And God has used even the elements in his sovereignty to judge national sin. Prove it. Okay. Remember Noah's flood? Remember Korah, who rebelled against anointed leadership in the desert? And the earthquake came from God, swallowed them up. Remember Egypt's plagues? If you go to Amos 4 when you go home, in fact, go and read the first four chapters, you'll read the first few chapters, and there he's speaking to the Moabites, and he's speaking to Edom, and he's speaking about all of these plagues that he's brought upon them. And Israel are sitting with nothing, like Great Britain sitting, but all these things are happening, and God has them under a hand of blessing. And in Amos chapter 4, verse 12, and we see it all over, and we places, I'm not saying anything against it, but Amos 4 and verse 12 says, we have it sitting out here in the hall. Prepare to meet thy God. Amos 4 and 12, it says, prepare to meet thy God, O Israel. And what God is saying, oh, they're happening here and it's happening there. But Israel, watch, because now I'm going to take a dealing with you. What if God is saying, I have put up with you, Britain? I have put up with the things that you're doing. I have put up with your things that you're parading in the streets. I have put up with your violence. I have put up with your world domination of little nations that mean no harm to you. Listen, there have been unjust wars. People dying and they didn't need to die. Children in Iraq didn't need to die. What if God says, now I prepare to meet thy God, O Israel. Prepare to meet thy God, Great Britain. This doesn't meet thy God and say, isn't it lovely? No, he's coming to judge. He's coming to judge. I have to close. Time's way past, but we're almost finished. Romans 8 and 22. Romans 8 verse 22 says, For we know that the whole earth or pardon me, the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. The whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. So what is the answer to the earth's problems? Well, it's in Romans chapter 8 again. Verse 21. Because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. And what is Paul, Paul telling us here? He says that even though the earth is groaning and travailing, there's a glorious liberty that God has given to those who are his. And at his return, he's going to change these things. The hope of the earth is visible. It's literal. It's the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, 
in 1 Corinthians 15, read from verses 50 to 57, he says that when Christ returns, this mortal shall put on immortality. This corruptible shall put on incorruption. That we're going to be changed in a moment. Let's not call up in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. That's the wrong rendering. Read it. We'll be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. We're going to have a body fashioned like unto his own glorious body. You're not going to have those pains when you try and praise and worship. We're going to be around the throne. We're going to be serving. We're going to be worshiping. We're going to be coming to him. We're going to be able to serve him without any hindrance. And the earth will become into full completion and full order when Christ returns again. You see, when we think of this, 1 Corinthians 15 tells us, that we are waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. The manifestations, the manifestation of the sons of God. Now, people are saying, well, the manifestation is us now acting in faith, manifesting Christ. And, and I understand where they mean that. But the context this is in is in the resurrection. This is when Christ returns. A great resurrection happens. What happens? Let your eye run down to Romans 8. In verse 23, down towards the end of the verse says, we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to it, the redemption of the body. What is the Christian's glorious hope? What is your glorious hope, Christian? I'll tell you what the glorious hope is according to the word of God is the coming again of the Lord Jesus Christ and the raising of the dead, the redemption of the body, our whole salvation, our full redemption when Christ returns again. And Peter tells us in 2 Peter 3 and 13 that according, we look according to his promise, we look for a new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. Global disasters, what on earth is going on? Well, you can tell people, well, the Bible says that the earth is groaning, waiting on its creator to come. The earth spinning and it's groaning, waiting on him, whose right it is to reign. And listen, even the old earth can groan, but yet many men and women couldn't care less. should have a phobia, a phobos, or a phobotron, a fear a terror of meeting him if you're not in Christ. So, Ken, are you afraid? Are you in terror? Have you a phobia for the day that you will meet him? Have I? I can't wait. Have I? I know I'll not have anything to, to boast about. But when I see him, I'll fall at his feet. Oh, King Jesus. Oh, thank you, Lord. You've saved me. There's no phobia here. You see, his perfect love casts out all fear. You see, you can have your phobia and you can have your fears because there is a day you'll stand before God. But when you get saved, blood washed. When you're blood-bought, all fears go. It's just, I just bask. I just wallow in his love. 
that he loved me enough, he loved you, and he gave himself for you. Are you saved? Are you saved? And there's no phobias here. Where Christ reigns, there's only peace. Let's just pray for a moment. Lord, we worship you. Lord, we worship you. Father, love you. We adore you. We thank you, Lord, that your love is perfect, casting out all fear. We thank you, Lord, that you are sovereign over all things. None of us can ask you, why am I thus? But rather, Lord, we can thank you for your glorious sacrifice. Thank you, Lord Jesus, you died for us. You went to Calvary. Lord, if there's one here, let them know the fear of meeting you. Think how Paul says, knowing the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. Lord, and help them to know that when they're surrendered to you, the terror leaves. And they're flooded with your love. Oh, God, help them. Help us to glorify your name, for you're worthy to be praised. Bless every home and every heart here, Lord, as we are just bowed in your presence for a moment. So thank you, Lord, for everything. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.